people still don't recognize us, but... We're contenders now. Yeah. Uh, the Gunslingers from West Texas, no match for Kansas State this past Saturday as the Wildcats run all over yeah. the Red Raider defense and pick up a big 37-28 victory at a sold-out Bill Snyder Family Stadium. This is the College and Kimball Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Burkhart. We have a number of positives to take away from this game. If you're a Kansas State fan, the Wildcats made it seven consecutive wins over Texas Tech and 11 out of the last 12 in the series. Man, I just think back to when I really started to get into K-State football in the late 90s and, and early 2000s. And just at that time, those K-State defenses were constructed so differently. They were not geared at all to stopping a pass-happy air raid attack like what Mike Leach ended up installing when he came in there in 2000. And I got so frustrated watching some of those teams in the starter 1-0 and the early part of the 2-0 era go up against those offenses and just have no answer for them on the pass defense side. They just ran up and down the field and rang up big numbers against K-State's defense. And again, that was the thing that was just the calling card for, for those Bill Snyder teams. Yes, the offense was was versatile and multiple back then, but the thing you could always bank on out of those K-State teams in the 1-0 era was the defense. And, and seeing Mike Leach's passing attack do what it did against K-State was always so tough for me to watch as a fan. And as I grew a little bit older and even getting into my college years at K-State, seeing those those same type of results and just always wondering, man, we're going to have to have some kind of wholesale transformation. Something is going to have to to give here if we want to get over the hump and find a way to beat this, this peer program that is Texas Tech. And, and lo and behold, the, the Wildcats broke through in, in 2011. That was such a fun game to watch. K-State did everything in that game. Had the, the Nigel Malone pick six to start things off on the first possession. You had a kick return touchdown by Tyler Lockett. Colin Klein doing Colin Klein things. K-State forcing all sorts of turnovers in that game. It, it just had it all. And that was... That was really kind of emblematic of what Kansas State needed to do. They needed all of those breaks to happen in that first in that game that just broke the streak, what was a five-game losing streak to Texas Tech. And once the Wildcats got over the, that hump, they really have not looked back and taking 11 out of the last 12. It's been a lot of fun to watch Kansas State and, and to see them really take control of this series. It's been so remarkable, again, to watch as a fan. And this game this past Saturday, the Wildcats were, were a little bit more dominant, I think, than the, sco- than the score really reflected that wonky nine-point margin at the end. I have no idea why McGuire wanted to go for two at the, at the end of the game there to, to make it 37-28 to 28 rather than just kicking the PAT because – I don't know. Just as a conservative, more conservative football mind that I have, I look at that and say, if you well, if you miss that, then all of a sudden you're putting the onus on your offense. Even if you do get the ball back, you got to get another score and another two point conversion, and then you got to get a, another onside back, and you got to get a field goal just to pull level. 
again, that's a lot of things to happen in that in that short span of time after K-State had, had made that a 17-point lead late in the fourth quarter. But that's neither here nor there. The Wildcats were, were dominant in this game. You loved the resolve that you saw from this team after they, they got out to the hot start and getting up 13 to nothing. They seed that lead in Texas Tech polls level. Looks a little bit dicey. And, and after the Red Raiders got that uh, tying field goal in the third quarter, K-State Bam, right down the field to score to take the lead back. You loved what you saw out of the Wildcats in a number of different respects, and really on all all phases of the game, once again from K-State. Another complimentary team win. And we'll get into game grades here momentarily. Before we do, one thing I do want to note here as we get set to transition. K-State starts 2-0 in Big 12 play for just the second time in the Chris Kleiman era, just the seventh time overall since the inception of the conference since 19 in 1996. The one thing I will mention of those seven 2-0 Big 12 starts, six of which have seen the Wildcats win six or more conference games. And judging by the landscape of the Big 12, Six conference wins will certainly have you in the top half of the league standings by season's end, and it will likely be good enough to get you to the Big 12 championship game. A lot of football still left to be played, but an auspicious start to Big 12 play for Kansas State. You love the way that this team is trending here as we get set to dive further into the heart of the conference slate. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and unpack this one and start off with game grades. We'll begin with the offensive side of the ball. This was the deployment of the L. Roberson. I guess I shouldn't say that. This is the formal announcement to the conference. The L. Roberson Darren Sproles 2.0 package has been deployed. And if you got the chops on defense to slow it down, more power to you, but I, I can't see many Big 12 defenses being able to slow down this attack. These guys have wrecked opposing defenses here in the first couple of weeks. This is the first time in school history that the same rushers have gone for back-to-back 100-yard games in Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez. So that is a, a truly unprecedented feat, obviously, but you have to put into context what that means. You think about even mo- most recently here, the the tandem of Jesse Ertz and Alex Barnes, those were two very solid rushers for Kansas State at the quarterback and running position, running back position respectively. And then if you rewind the clock back even further, L. Roberson, Darren Sproles, really? Those two never went for 100 yards each in back-to-back games? That's crazy to think about if you're a Kansas State fan. And then go back even further, Michael Bishop. I know Eric Hickson was a much more three yards in a cloud of dust type running back and even Mike Lawrence before him, very much the same type of running style. He and Eric Hickson weren't the most dynamic runners, but they could certainly punch you between the tackles and get hard to earn yards in case they had some really solid offensive lines back in the nineties, obviously. But that, that stat is remarkable to me and to do it against Oklahoma and Texas tech and Texas tech has been, had a pretty formidable defense here through the first few weeks of conference play. That is highly encouraging for me. If I'm a Kansas state fan, would I like to see more out of the passing game from this offense from Kansas state? Sure. But if you're going to be able to gouge teams the way the Wildcats did against Texas Tech, I'm not going to be too worried about what the passing game does here moving forward. Yes, you'll you'll need to take a couple shots here and then to loosen things up on, 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 as far as the opposing defense goes. But 
there's not too many teams out there that's going to have the personnel to, to truly stop this this type of rushing attack. You're only going to hope to, as as the old expression goes, you're only going to hope to contain it. And Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn are looking like first-team All-Big 12-type rushers. Adrian Martinez actually vaulting himself up into the Heisman conversation. The odds on FanDuel now, he was the fifth-best odds after Saturday's performance at plus 1,600. That's crazy to think about with where this team was, again, just a couple of short weeks ago when it could not get a first, it could not buy a first down against Tulane of all teams. And now to see the Wildcats do what they, they're doing on offense is, is truly remarkable. Let's talk Adrian Martinez here for a moment. He rushed for 171 yards, sack adjusted. So if you take out the 23 yards that he lost on sacks, he would have been just shy of 200. Averaged 14.2 per carry, 12 totes, 14.2 per carry for Adrian Martinez. He sets a new career high. It's the fifth most yard, uh, fifth most yards by a K-State quarterback in school history. First quarterback to go for back-to-back 100-yard rushing games since the aforementioned aforementioned Jesse Ertz did it in 2016 and maybe perhaps a little bit of foreshadowing here Jesse Ertz did that the last time K-State won in Ames in 2016 that was one of those back-to-back 100-yard efforts for a K-State quarterback first time a K-State rusher has had a run of 55 or greater in back-to-back games since James Johnson the running back in 2007 did it for K-State in the final two games of that 2007 campaign against Mizzou and Fresno State so Again, Adrian Martinez, to me, what I've been most impressed with, his his patience as a runner, allowing those holes to develop. Again, it was those things that we we picked on in the Tulane game, just trying so hard to force it, just maybe not waiting that extra half count for that hole to open up a little bit wider for you to run through. And, And he's been patient. Deuce Vaughn has been patient. And... All credit in the world to the offensive line, but Adrian Martinez has showcased another gear. We we heard about it during the offseason that he he it was and, and has shown now is one of the fastest players on this offense. When he hits that hole and gets to second and third gear, there's not many guys who can catch him. He is a tremendous straight line runner, and, and honestly, in the touchdown that he had to give K-State the lead 27-20 to 20 in the fourth quarter, I honestly thought there was a penalty. I, I had, I was, full disclosure, I was holding my daughter, trying to put her to bed, watching there on from the the comfort of my couch, and and seeing him just blast through that hole and run away. I thought surely there was a penalty. They, they, it was a pre-snap penalty. They blew it dead. No, he just ran away from the Texas Tech secondary. So, I love what I've been seeing out of Adrian Martinez, and and, and again. You just want him to continue to be mindful of the shots that he's taken. And I, I harped on it again. I don't want to see him carrying the ball 20 plus times. And the fact that Colin, the fact that he was able to do this on 12 carries is even better in my mind. If you could get that level of production out of him on a consistent basis, great. Yes, I'm not going to average, I'm not going to expect him to average 14.2 per carry. But if he can continue to be heady like this, knowing when to slide down to avoid shots, I, I love it, and this K-State offense, again, is going to just be that much more difficult to slow down and stop as we continue to move forward, and I got a transition away from Adrian again. He's been the star of this K-State offense these last two weeks, and it's been Deuce Vaughn, strangely enough, taking a back seat uh, to, to Adrian Martinez, but Deuce, and, and again, the other weird thing, Deuce 
has a, sets a new career high this past Saturday. Rushes for a buck seventy, averages over seven yards per carry, seven point four to be exact. Third consecutive game he's held out of the end zone, and he talked about it in post game. He doesn't care if he scores another touchdown. If this team makes it to a Big 12 championship game, he's all about it. And I saw him getting in there, opening up some holes on some lead plays, doing a great job once again in pass protection. Everybody dogs him for being short. But, man, dude dude takes guys on, takes on guys that are 6'2", 230, guys coming off the edge. He's chipping dudes. Deuce Vaughn is an exceptional player, and we are truly blessed as a fan base to be able to watch him play and perform at the level in which he has these past couple of weeks and what he's given K-State throughout the course of his career. If this staff is somehow somehow way able to convince him to stay another year, I would love it. But if, if, if this is in fact his swan song, as we know it's going to be Adrian Martinez last year in a college uniform, we're, we're really witnessing greatness again out of the K-State backfield. And Cat fans, you, you need to soak up every single snap of these two because this is truly special what these guys are doing and what I imagine they will continue to do throughout the rest of the conference slate. So big props again to Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez. Offensive line, all the credit in the world to those guys. That that was the group that probably caught the most strays after the Tulane game where the K-State offense ran for 160 against Tulane, wasn't particularly explosive, though, only averaging about four per carry, if memory serves. But they have just been monsters here as of late, and, and they have just been road graders. <laughs> and K-State averaged just under nine yards per carry. This is the second highest rushing total of the Chris Kleiman era, highest against a Big 12 conference foe. Cats, 7.9 yards per play, had a over two yard advantage on that front in case they did this on just 58 snaps against Texas tech. Uh, again, I think that just shows you how explosive K state was this past Saturday guys opened up big time holes and, and Adrian Martinez, he didn't have to do a lot, make a lot of guys miss Deuce Vaughn was putting guys on stage uh, skates, but Adrian Martinez was just running through holes and just gashing this Texas tech defense. I, I came away feeling so confident and so happy about what those guys were doing. And again, all the credit in the world to the offensive line. Once again, we have an instance where, where KT Levinson gets uh, injured in this game, has to come out and Dawson Del Forge goes in Cooper BB kicks out to tackle and cats didn't miss a beat in, in the second half after that happened. So I, I know depth is, is somewhat of a concern when you lose Podier uh, to the season-ending injury and Andrew Line Gang, I, I know we we don't know the extent of whatever injury or what is ailing him at this moment. You certainly wish him the best, whatever it is that he's going through. We we've really just been given pretty minimal information about his status, just hearing that they're being cautious, that he's undergoing tests. So certainly, all the well wishes in the world to he and his family, and you certainly hope nothing is is wrong with him, but knowing that those two guys are not really available in K-State, Connor Riley's group on the offensive line really does pride itself on being able to rotate bodies in and being able to go eight deep. The fact that they're a little bit thinner at the position is somewhat concerning, but they really haven't missed a beat when guys have had to come out here these last couple of weeks. So again, I come away feeling very positive about what the offensive line has done here in the early stages of conference play. And, if you do want to harp on the line, 
they they do allow five quarterback hurries in this game, five tackles for loss, including three sacks and a couple of lost fumbles, one of which the Cats did manage to recover. But all in all, that that, that is getting extremely granular and nitpicky in a game in which you average almost eight yards per play and run for 343 yards. Like I said, there, there there's not too much to harp on with this group. They they got out, they pulled, they moved well in space, they opened up holes, they created holes, they they did everything and, and then some, as far as uh, the running the ball goes. Now, I wanted to talk briefly about the improvement that we need to see out of this group. Third downs a little spotty this this past Saturday, only going four for 13, and that was really kind of what allowed Tech to get back into the game in the second quarter, where K-State only generated 24 yards on 11 snaps. They were 0 for 3 on third down, and 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 that was at the stage of the game where the Wildcats really could have blown the doors off of Tech. They they were up 13 to nothing. They got the interception. It looked like this game was going to be heading toward a rout. And, and Texas Tech bowed up and got the ball right back, and forcing that fumble. And the Red Raiders were able to respond in kind and and, and get points. And and again, it was a little frustrating to see the the offense not really go for the kill shot when they had it, had the chance to, or not execute, I should say. The Wildcats absolutely tried to put that game out of reach, but Texas Tech's defense responded, and I think that's kind of what I expected out of this Joey McGuire team. I, I thought this was going to be a team that would be kind of limping into Manhattan, potentially best-case scenario at 2-2. Two and two. I was expecting them to maybe be 3-1 and one coming into this game, but in... in I just thought this would be a tech team that would just always find a way to get up off the mat. And and, and they did it this past Saturday. So the offense though, they, they, they had their shots to, to really put this game out of the reach. They didn't take advantage of that. The passing game leaves a little bit to be desired again here this past Saturday, only 6.1 yards per uh, attempt and 19 pass throws for Taylor Martinez. You don't really convert on any shot plays you have one chunk play in the passing game in which Cade picks up a 20 yarder but it was a lot of intermediate stuff and again you're hitting a ton of explosives in the running game so it's hard to harp too much on the passing game but you you again Martinez has has a fine line going 12 out of 19 doesn't throw an interception so efficient in that sense yes completing around a little bit more than 60 percent of your throws but you just you weren't really as crisp and you didn't really get the vertical shots that you wanted to in this game the brooks touchdown pass uh, on that drive when k-state uh, when tech had just tied it up deuce vaughn then rips off the big runner uh, the big run of 69 yards to get k-state down in the red zone philip brooks catches that touchdown adrian martinez hits him right in the hands pops the ball straight up into the air and when that ball just kind of floats there. It looks like it's going to be a catastrophic play and K-State might potentially be turning it over, but Brooks fortunate enough to corral it and then stroll into the end zone for the, the touchdown to get the Wildcats the lead back. Like I said, you just, you just some execution things and, and whatnot as far as the K-State offense goes, but I still came away feeling reasonably good about the passing attack you just you want to see this offense continue to take vertical shots because you can't really bank on hitting all these big time explosive plays you're going to be going up against 
stronger defenses in the league. I, I thought, again, Texas Tech was, was doing reasonably well enough against the run through the first four games, but I think they're going to come back down to earth a little bit. This Iowa State defense, the K-State is going to see this coming Saturday much more formidable, uh, both through the air and on the ground. We'll talk about that a little bit more once we wrap up things at the end of the show here. But all in all, I still come away feeling reasonably good about this offense. You, you can't, again, harp too much on the fact that the passing game really didn't pop for 180, 200 yards, which is kind of the benchmark that I, I, I look for this offense to hit just based off of the balance that we expect to see in terms of running and passing. All in all, I give this group a B just because of that stretch in the second quarter on into the third after you went up 13 to nothing and, and you had a chance to after getting a short field off of a turnover where a uh, turnover on downs, I should say, where you really could have opened this thing up. And then you go on a drive that starts at your own 47. You lose a fumble on that one. Then you go three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. And those were possessions. Uh, the, the last possession there the was the first, uh, the last possession I mentioned, I should say, the first possession of the third quarter for the Cats. So just going a little bit stagnant there in that second half, you, you're, you're going to have games where you're not going to hit all these explosives in the run game, and you're going to have to be more consistent on the offensive side of the ball. So again, a, a fine effort from the offense, but still at the end of the day, I'm going to give it a, just a, a solid B, not a B plus, but just a, a solid B from uh, Colin Klein's group. And again, I thought they did a great job hitting on those home run plays. And, and again, all the credit in the world to Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez as they are, once again, the story of the game for the K-State offense. Let's go ahead and look at the defense for Kansas State. Uh, this was, uh, again, a game in which y you you were going to need to win in the, in the aggregate, if that makes sense. You knew Texas Tech, just the pace at which they move, the number of times they throw the ball, their penchant for turning the ball over as well. You knew you were going to get a couple extra possessions in this game. And to that point, Texas Tech, there, there were 15 possessions for the Red Raiders on offense. Uh, they run 82 plays against this K-State defense. But the Wildcat defense, in my estimation, a, a nice job in limiting them to just 5.8 yards per play. Texas Tech strangely wins the time of possession in this ball game, uh, 32 over 32 minutes for the Red Raiders, 32 minutes and 23 seconds, to just 27 minutes and 37 seconds for the K-State offense. But the big story of this game was havoc rate. The the Wildcats less than 10% against Oklahoma the week prior, and we talked about needing to get home with the pass rush, needing to disrupt the timing of this Texas Tech offense, and the Wildcats did just that. 17 Havoc plays 20.7% of the offensive snaps for Texas Tech resulted in a havoc play for this Kansas State defense. The Cats plus three in turnovers this Saturday. They force four turnovers, two fumbles recovered, two interceptions forced, six sacks for the K-State defense. A loss of 27 yards that comes on 57, or excuse me, 54 dropbacks for the Texas Tech quarterback Donovan Smith. And also, you limit Texas Tech to 5 of 14 on third down and just 1 of 3 on fourth down. And this coming on the heels of a game in which the Red Raiders had six fourth down conversions against Texas the week prior. you got to be pretty pleased with the defense all in all. Yes, giving up 473 yards is not great, but this is still a fine Big 12 defense, a perfectly fine Big 12 defense, and one uh, that has 
dynamic players on the pass rushing front. And that's what I want to talk about next. Khalid Dupe, my man, got after it this past Saturday. And that was that was so uplifting for me to see, knowing he was coming off of the injury. And he really hadn't had a chance to break out. We we saw him making a couple of plays in space against Oklahoma, got helping close out and finish off some plays on some OU pass catchers and whatnot, but we really hadn't seen him turn loose on the pass rushing front. And this past Saturday, the coaches told him before the game, we're going to turn you loose. And call me lover boy, man, the dude gets after it. He has three sacks and, and uh, tie, uh, tied with King Felix in this game for three sacks. And tied for the team, uh, or excuse me, second on the team in tackles with eight this past Saturday. Love seeing that out of Khalid Duke. Like I said, just coming off the injury, everybody going into the season, hearing that it was going to be a little bit more slowly integrating him back into this defense and fans, myself included, hand up. I was starting to wonder, man, was that injury so debilitating that he might have lost a step was it was it going to be a Justin Hughes type proposition where yeah he'll be a sort of serviceable big 12 linebacker slash you know potentially throw him down at the end on occasions but it was great to see him do what he did this past Saturday and forcing the three sacks and, and, and 20 yards loss on those plays for Khalid Duke and, and you know you're going to go up against more pass-happy attacks in this conference, and, and I, I know maybe not to the degree of Texas Tech where they're going to be throwing it 48 times a game, but at the end of the day, he's still going to have a chance to tee off against opposing Big 12 offenses, and I, I certainly hope that he can continue to maintain this level of play. We know he, and it was great to see, like I said, just getting off of it, coming back from an injury like that, a knee injury in particular, there's that mental hurdle that you have to clear, just questioning whether or not you can you can really do it and, and play at the level you were playing prior to the injury. And hopefully that performance helps him clear that mental hurdle because I think he showed and he has demonstrated now in these first couple of Big 12 games that he is a Big 12 caliber linebacker and, and potentially an all, all Big 12 conference type of performer. If he, if he has a couple more efforts like this, he will certainly be on an all-conference team by season's end. So love seeing Khalid Duke getting after it the way that he did. The other guy I got to mention, King Felix. We we've been we've been asking for it. He he was pretty quiet in that game against Oklahoma. We talked about the speed that they move and how quickly the ball comes out of Dylan Gabriel's hands. The Wildcat pass rush really didn't have a chance to make things happen, but he gets uh, after the quarterback in a big way. Sacks Donovan Woods three times or Donovan Smith, excuse me, three times in this game this past Saturday. The next sack that he gets will push him into the top 10 in KSU history. He's King Felix, man. There's not a whole lot else to say about it. This, this Texas Tech offensive line, I can't say that they're shaky. They, they were one of the worst in the conference in sack rate allowed and sacks given up. But that, I think that's more of a byproduct of the numbers. When you're going to be dropping back over 50 times a game, you're going to have to live with negative plays. And I thought K-State, though, 
took advantage of the fact that they have elite pass rushers. That that was one thing I wanted to see the Wildcats showcase. That was one of my keys and then one of the things I was tuned in on. Can you disrupt the timing of this Texas Tech offense? They absolutely did that. They got them off schedule plenty of times in this ball game. The fact that they uh, held them on third and four, on on conversion downs. They the Texas Tech, as I mentioned, only converting six out of seventeen opportunities. You take that all day against the Red Raiders. They they limited them. They did not get nickel and nickel and dime to death. All the credit in the world to this defense for for disrupting the timing of that Texas Tech passing attack. One of the other keys I mentioned against uh, going into this game, rather, secondary closing speed. Kobe Savage, dude, got after it once again. Led the team in tackles back-to-back weeks. Has nine tackles and one tackle for loss and a forced fumble. The Wildcats, as I mentioned, got on two fumbles in this ball game. You you hit on Kobe Savage in the transfer market. The guy at a Tyler Tech, a Tyler Junior College has hit. He is a stud and he is playing at a, a an All Big Twelve conference level. And it, it it it's tough to play. And the other thing too, think about it in this context. This is only his fifth game in the Big Twelve, and you've seen two of the most prolific offenses that you're going to see all season. And to see him perform the way that he is performing, to see him making tackles in the open field, again, just an even more encouraging sign if I'm a Kansas State fan. I, I, I'm trying, I, I know I'm a sunshine pumper here, and I, it's it's easy to be optimistic and, and sunshine and butterflies and puppies and rainbows after a, a big time win. But again, with this pass rush really starting to come into form, with this secondary performing the way that it's been performing here in the first couple of weeks, I'm liking it, guys. I'm liking it. Another thing that I really liked too this past Saturday, Austin Moore. Again, you're you're, you're getting Cody Fletcher plus level production out of him. That was a big question with with Will Honus potentially being on the shelf for who knows how long, or if he's even going to be available at any point this season. Austin Moore comes in, gives you seven tackles, forces an interception off of a just a duck that Smith threw up. I I'm loving what I'm seeing out of him, and he he for for who for what he is and who he is. That dude moves very well laterally in the open field. I love what I have seen out of him. Uh, another thing I'll mention too on the linebacker front, Daniel Green, pretty pretty quiet from him these last couple of weeks. He had the big pick that. That set K-State up way back when in the Tulane game when we thought the Wildcats were going to pull away in that second or in that uh, at the second quarter, but he's been pretty quiet since that point. Uh, he does register five tackles and has a pass breakup, but it's 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 been nice to see him just quietly produced. He that that shows you the experience, the maturity that he has. Dude knows where to be. We haven't had to worry about knock on wood any kind of malicious targeting hits. Uh, or anything like that. Again, after the three he had last season, it's not been a problem. Daniel Green has just been rock solid. And kind of the way that an offensive lineman, if you if if you're getting in and making stops on on defense and just really rallying to the ball, you might not be the first guy there, but you're helping get guys down in space. That's kind of what Daniel Green's been doing. He he made he hasn't really necessarily had, had the eye popping 12 tackle type of game, but in the same breath. 
you're not saying, oh, he got caught, you know, caught with his pants down on a zone blitz here, or he got caught flat footed on a drag route where the running back went right across his face and, and busted one for 25 yards or anything like that. Daniel Green's just been sur- solid. He's been solid. He's been heady. He's been mature. Love what I see out of him. One other thing I'll mention too, Julius Brents got the pick. I know controversial call there at the end of the game. I saw people chirping about it on, on Twitter, uh, how there wasn't, you know, a whistle. It should have been blown dead, man. I know there's a lot of things that could potentially happen, but if you're looking at that, Texas tech was down 37 to 20. You needed to score, get an onside score again, get an onside score or score again. That's a lot of things to happen. If you're somebody who was really bent out of shape about that play, but credit to Julius Brents being in the right spot when Texas tech had moved down the field, they were running tempo tempo there after recovering the onside kick and then hitting that deep shot over the middle of the field. And he was in the right spot. Smith threw a ball. He made a play on it. Brent has been great. He's been, he's been performing well. I've been very happy with what I've seen out of him. Again, he's got a tougher job than Echo. Echo's had a a little bit of a rough couple of weeks here as far as big 12 plays uh, beginning, but I I liked what I saw out of Julius Prince this past Saturday. Again, I I know I'm, I'm spouting off a lot of things that I liked. Again, I I can't harp too much on the defense when, when you hold Texas tech, Again, the Red Raiders were sitting on 20 points. The Wildcats were up by 17. The game was pretty well put away, and you're just trying to keep everything in front of you, and you let Texas Tech get a late garbage-time touchdown. And and all in all, I come away feeling very happy with what I've seen out of this defense. Again, these are two of the more formidable offenses that you're going to see in the Big 12, and the Wildcats have held them. You know, Oklahoma gets the late, late, late garbage touchdown and Texas Tech gets a late one here as well. But all in all, defense has been fine. It's a more than serviceable Big 12 defense, and it's going to make plays. It's going to be one of the better units as, as far as turnover margin by season's end. This defense is going to be Big 12 championship caliber defense. So keep that in mind, Cat fans. If you really want to nitpick on things, you can do it, but this defense is fine. And it, and it's going up and it's going to be going up against an Iowa State offense that's really struggled here uh, through the start of Big 12 play. So all in all, again, I, I give the offense a B. Defense gets a B plus in my mind. Special teams just here really quickly. I'm going to give them an A. Once again, rock solid performance. Chris Tennant, three out of three connecting from 29, 26, and 32. A little frustrating, again, with the offense stalling at the Tech 12, the 9, and the 15. But at the end of the day, you hope he, that continues to build on his confidence. He has not missed in his last six attempts, so knock on wood. Love what I've seen here out of Chris Tennant. Five punts for Ty Zettner. Only averaged 36.8 per. Had a couple of downed inside the 20. All of his kickoffs went for touchbacks. No returns of note in this game, but the Wildcats do ultimately win the field position edge. K-State started on its own 37, Tech on its own 29. So again, you like what you see in that respect. Honestly, the biggest play out of special teams this past Saturday was was Trey Wolf missing a field goal from 42 to start the fourth quarter, Uh, a a play that would have given Texas Tech a 23-20 lead. The Wildcats then three plays, 76 yards, touchdown, and a lead that they would never relinquish from that point on. So I will say maybe not uh, necessarily uh, props to the field goal block unit, 
but props to the Kansas win for swirling enough and, and pushing that one there as the Wildcats get a big miss and turn it into points just three plays later. So all in all, special teams, they get an A, uh, an a in my mind. Coaching gets another uh, a solid grade here. I'll give them an A-plus this, uh, this week. Again, the motivation factor, you liked what you saw out of this team coming out playing with fire. They did not mess around and play with their food like they did against Tulane. They went up 13 to nothing. Yes, you would have liked to have seen them be a little bit more assertive and, and execution-wise. You would have liked to have seen the guys not hit those snags that they did in the second and early part of the third quarters. But all in all, I liked. I saw an inspired performance I saw a motivated team go out there and handle its business. They did not waste a sellout crowd. Great atmosphere from Wildcat fans showing up early, being loud. Loved what I heard from the crowd on TV. Dudes were into it. Dudes, uh, Fans were into it. Players were into it. You don't want to waste home games. You cannot. If you are going to be a Big 12, a bona fide Big 12 title contender, you do not waste home games. You take advantage of those opportunities and you get wins. And the Wildcats did just that. Again, 37 to 28 was the final score in this game. The Wildcats win and cover. If you had a vested interest in this one, props to you in that regard. And now we get set to shift our focus to Iowa State. Farmageddon on deck for the Wildcats. They, strangely, uh, strangely enough, open up a short favorite going on the road to take on Iowa State this coming Saturday. K-State opened up at one-and-a-half-point favorites. Iowa State, 3-2 and two on the season, 0-2 in Big 12 play. Really the only noteworthy performance we've seen out of this group in, in the early part of their schedule has just been a win at Iowa in which they came out with a 10-7 victory, and they needed a... a 328 play drive at the very end of the game to get a touchdown to sneak out of Iowa City with a win against a team in Iowa that only has seven offensive touchdowns through five games. This Iowa State team, I don't think it's a stretch to say they have taken a step back. Uh, I know Matt Campbell has a good culture, and it's not that as if Iowa State has just been worked or blown out in either of its two Big 12 losses. This is still a team that absolutely goes out and competes. They play hard. I I do say, however, I, I, I do notice in the result this past Saturday, 14-11, to 11, you lose in Lawrence to Kansas. Matt Campbell's first loss to the Jayhawks. He was previously 6-0. and 0. Man, KU's defense was terrible against FBS opponents. They had given up 511, 446, and 463 yards in their three games against FBS opponents. All of those teams, which included West Virginia, Houston, and Duke, all of them averaged greater than 6.4 yards per play against this Jayhawk defense. And Iowa State, 313 yards, four yards per play against a, a pretty ho-hum this this is a KU defense I'm sorry knock you know I know it's early here but man I, I this this KU defense is going to be bottom half of the Big 12 and Hunter Deckers looked very pedestrian in that game the Iowa State rushing attack only manages to rack up 26 yards on 30 attempts less than the yard per carry I I uh, this uh, this Iowa State team, you, you just you kind of have to say it that they they have taken a step back. 
yes, culture is there, but they have taken a step back. They, they and they, you have to acknowledge if you're an Iowa State fan, and and this is not just an Iowa State thing. This is not unique to Iowa State, but when you have all of the generational talent that they did program peak performers in program history. When you talk about Charlie Kohler at tight end, your all-time leading passer and Brock Purdy, your all-time leading rusher and in Brees Hall, all the stalwarts they had on defense with guys like Mike Rose. Like when you lose that level of talent, it's just hard to replace and hard to replace and get the same level of performance. This Iowa state team is, is not what they were certainly in 2020, the COVID year where nobody on Iowa state apparently got COVID. Nobody ever had to miss time. And the Cyclones had that, that miraculous season that they did. And then we see them last year, go seven and six. I, I think this team is much more in line with that type of a, a seven and five ish, six and six ish type of team this season uh, and as I look at this game through the lens of Kansas State fan Jeff Burkhart if you are a bona fide Big 12 title contender you go take this game I know Iowa State is going to be be up for this it's a home game it's a night game I I, I don't I as a recording Iowa State has not announced the unis that they're going to don but I have no doubt in my mind that you're going to have those win in the dark, all black unis that they're going to be rolling out. You, you, you can't buy any of the hype that Iowa State's trying to drum up, any of the excitement that Iowa State's trying to drum up to, to, to be motivated. This is very much, this is a wounded animal. That is the one thing that I do worry about it from the Kansas State perspective. This is very much a wounded animal that is going to be trying to salvage its season. So you're going to see Iowa State take some shots in this game. You're going to see Matt Campbell roll the dice, take some some chances, Hell, I remember for that that first meeting between Matt Campbell and Iowa State back in 2016. He came out of the gate in the first uh, the kickoff of the second half, drew up an onside kick, got it back. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Iowa State try to do something like that. If the, if K State gets out to an early lead in this game and Iowa State feels that control is perhaps slipping away in this one, I'm not going to be surprised to see Iowa State do trickery, anything in between to, to try and win this game. There, uh, that, that expression I used, K-State going into the Oklahoma game of unload the clip, Iowa State's at that juncture in their season because going 0-3 in, in Big 12 play, that's, that's a tough proposition if you're an Iowa State fan. And looking ahead to their schedule after this, they have to go on the road to take on Texas the following week then they have Oklahoma at home the week after that I know Oklahoma is certainly looking like they are not going to necessarily be in the Big 12 title picture I don't want to write them off this soon but man going starting 0-2 in the Big 12 slate with Red River on deck for the Sooners I I just don't know if Oklahoma is going to maybe put themselves too far behind the eight ball even if they do manage to to string together a couple of wins here there's still a lot of tough games left on the slate for the Sooners and a lot of tough games left on the slate for Iowa State so that is like I said my chief concern is Iowa State and what they are going to attempt to do to win this game so if you're Kansas State you you have to you have to know and believe and execute like you are the better team you can't let any kind of trickery gets you this coming Saturday. You have to go out there. You're going to have to earn it. No doubt about that. This is a place K-State has not won an aim since 2016. They've lost three out of four in the series. 
you're you're going to have to execute at a high level and you're going to have to bring your best game. This is still a a very solid Iowa State defense. Uh, their defensive coordinator Hecox been there forever. They know their identity. They've still got one of the best pass rushers in the country. And, and they they get after you on that side of the ball. K-State's going to have to do a lot in terms of execution against the Clones, especially in the passing game. I, I don't expect K-State to be able to just ring up the Cyclone defense the way they have Tech, uh, Texas Tech and Oklahoma. But this is still a game where I feel like K-State coming in as the short favorite, that's saying something. I think odds makers are getting to a point where they're going to be fading Iowa State. So this is very much, like I said, this is make or break point in the season for Iowa State. And for K-State, if you want to be looked at as a Big 12 title contender, go get it done this Saturday. Uh, and I, I hate the fact that K-State fans chirp so much on, on Twitter about this game and, and talk about the, the Twitter rivalry. I, I, I could not give a shit about the Twitter rivalry. I want to beat Iowa State. I hate losing to Iowa State. I hate the fact that we've lost three out of four to these guys. I hate the fact that we got worked last season in Manhattan. That game was 27 to 7. Midway through the third, never once felt like K-State was in that game. Never once felt like K-State was in a game at home in front of a damn near sellout crowd. I hate losing to Iowa State and I want our guys to go out there and buck the trend. And if you want to talk shit, if K-State does go in there and take care of business, fine, do it. But I want the Cats to go in there and back it up this Saturday. That being said, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Thank you very much for the download and or stream on whatever your preferred podcast app is. Keep an eye on your college and Kimball feed. There will be two episodes dropping later on this week. I'll be connecting with Levi, better known as Wide Right Natty Light, to get the inside scoop on the Iowa State Cyclones. And of course, Justin Nutter and I will be giving you your game day preview. So again, keep an eye on your college and Kimball podcast feed. Follow us on Twitter at college underscore Kimball. With all that being said, I'm going to go ahead and close this one out the way that I always do. Cats, man. If you know, you know. All right, you guys, let's listen up. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak. It has happened before. (laughs) 